you, Kevin. Uh, now, this evening, our passage uh, that we are looking at is in Second uh, Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Good to see everyone uh, this evening. Thank you for coming, and um, hope we we'll have a profitable time as we consider uh, God's word uh, and what it has to say to us. We have very much been uh, today uh, thinking about the uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the implication that it might have, uh, or that it should have uh, on our lives. And so we thought about that this morning as Tom brought uh, Matthew chapter 24 before us and um, and it was very much stressed on the the, the need, uh, the encouragement uh, to uh, have uh, the future that we have uh, in our minds as we live day by day and that should impact the decisions that we make and impact uh, how we live our lives and um, I uh, am speaking this evening and uh, really continuing on uh, in that in that theme uh, as we think of what um, the the Chapter 1 of Second Thessalonians has uh, for us this evening. So let's uh, read uh, and we'll maybe begin uh, from verse 3 of Second Thessalonians chapter 1, but, but we'll just be considering verses 5 through to verse 12. So verse 3, uh, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you towards each other abounds, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token or an evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be brought, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, or rather uh, are given rest, uh, when the Lord Jesus shall be prevailed, uh, shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We considered last week uh, the first few verses, the first four verses, uh, and we considered how in verse 3 and 4, which we read this evening, that the Thessalonians were, uh, that they were faithful um, in their, sorry, that their faith grew uh, and that their love uh, abounded, and then in verse four we see that their patience endured, 
Uh, and so we, we see these saints, uh, they have been commended by the Apostle Paul, but yet, like the letter uh, that we have, uh, the first Thessalonians, uh, there was a problem, uh, there was something wrong in the way they thought, there was something wrong in the teaching which they believed or had been taught uh, about the uh, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, whilst the, the, in First Thessalonians it deals with, as we've considered many times, uh, the, the, the rapture, the beginning of the, of the coming of the Lord, uh, here we, we have um, the, in Second Thessalonians, the believers here are concerned uh, that the day of the Lord uh, has come. The, the day of the Lord has come. So chapter 2, verse 2, uh, Paul writes that you be uh, not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of the Lord is at hand. And so they were concerned as they as they faced persecution and tribulation uh, that, that, that the day of the Lord had come and God was pouring out his punishment, his wrath on the earth. Uh, and they were concerned, rightly so, uh, that this had come. And Paul writes to, uh, to correct this error uh, and to give them encouragement uh, whilst they face uh, this persecution and tribulation. The, the persecution and the tribulation which they did face that wasn't part of the day of the Lord. And so it is important to remember that we're dealing with uh, maybe different parts of the second coming. Last time I spoke, we, we considered how the, the second coming can be split into different parts. And we have uh, the, the beginning or the rapture uh, that, that we thought about in First Thessalonians. And here we have the, the revealing or the, the manifestation uh, of his coming. Uh, and so they are different. They are different in character. When the Lord comes uh, the first time to the air, uh, he comes to the air. When he comes the second time, he comes to the earth. When he comes uh, at the beginning or the rapture, he comes for his saints. Uh, when he comes uh, here um, in, the, uh, in, in the, the revealing or the manifestation, he comes um, with his saints. Uh, and he comes the first time, uh, he comes at his rapture secretly. Uh, and, and I don't think, uh, certainly, whilst the world will notice, there are lots of people missing. They will not believe that it is because of the rapture. They will refuse to believe that. And so the Lord comes secretly the first time to the air. But this time when he comes, uh, when he comes with, with vengeance and with justice, uh, with judgment upon the earth, he comes and he will be revealed, verse 7 of our passage this evening. Verse 7, he will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And so we have two kind of uh, parts of his coming uh, that we considered last time and we won't spend any more time on that but just to remember as we think about these things uh, this was what the concern was for the the, the believers uh, in in Thessalonica uh, that, that they were under God's wrath, uh, that they were living in the day of the Lord but but Paul writes to say no, uh, you're not and he writes to comfort them and so we're going to think about this in, in three parts. I, I borrowed these parts from from our brother. Uh, the the first section we'll think about, or the first part we'll think about, is is rest for the saint. Rest for the saint. Uh, and then we're going to think about judgment for the sinner. And then we'll think about glorification for the saviour. Rest for the saint. Judgment for the sinner. Glorification for the saviour. Paul is writing here to comfort the Christians who are facing persecution and tribulation. 
uh, and they had been en- uh, enduring it. And Paul, as we thought about in verse 3 and 4, has commended them. Uh, but he wants to lift up their spirit and he wants to help them uh, to, to keep going on. He wants to reassure them and he wants to comfort them and to encourage them in their, in their walk as they face this persecution. And so there are three things uh, which, he, he, um, which we can think of in verse 5, 6 and 7. Uh, we see in verse 5 that Paul speaks about a reward. So we'll think about that. The reward, the, 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 the hope that the believer has. And we, we thought about that this morning. And uh, So we'll think about the reward. Then in verse 6 uh, we see that there is recompense. And then in verse 7 uh, we'll see that there is rest. Okay, and we'll just uh, take time, and hopefully, as Paul writes to the Thessalonians to be enc- to encourage them and to comfort them, I hope as we consider these verses and we consider the the future that is in store for us, uh, that we will be encouraged, that we will be comforted. So Paul speaks of their reward, verse five. The the the, the believers they were facing persecution, they were facing tribulations, and yet they endured. They endured. They had kept going. Uh, and Paul wants to say to them that this is uh, an evidence, um, this is a, a manifest token, uh, as is here, uh, of, of what? Of the righteous judgment of God. Now I think this phrase is a little bit tricky to understand exactly what Paul is meaning. Uh, the righteous judgment of God. In what way was the, the Thessalonian endurance uh, are, uh, are, are an evidence of the righteous judgment of God, of the righteous judgment of God. Well, I think what uh, Paul is saying here is that the, the believers, they were facing persecution and tribulation. You know, and, and maybe in their minds they would have thought, as they faced these things, uh, I think they did think, this is the day of the Lord. And they might have thought, uh, this is God pouring out his wrath upon us. This is God pouring out his wrath uh, upon us. And, 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 and Paul wants to tell them uh, that, they're, that their endurance of this tribulation, the fact that they have been kept, the fact that they have not succumbed, the fact that God has strengthened them through his power, through his spirit, to endure this tribulation, this is an evidence, this is a token uh, that they are saved uh, and that they are not under God's wrath. Yeah, so, so we might remember that, that hymn uh, from whence this fear and unbelief that we sometimes sing. And in that hymn there, there is this great verse. I, I love this hymn. It says, If thou hast my discharge procured and freely in my place endured the whole of wrath divine, payment God will not twice demand, first at my bleeding surety's hand. And then I get it mine. You see, these believers, I think Paul is trying to say to them, is that God is not pouring out his wrath upon you. Uh, God is not doing that because he has already done it uh, on the Lord Jesus. And they were trusting in the Lord Jesus and they could uh, take the fact that they were enduring, the fact that they were going on as evidence that they have been saved and that this was not God's wrath. This was not God's judgment being poured out in them. Righteous judgment of God. Righteous because God will not uh, demand payment twice as our hymn says. Persecution had come uh, but yet they had endured. God had not allowed them to be overtaken. Uh, and in fact they were privileged to suffer for the kingdom of God. You see the Thessalonians could look to the Lord Jesus uh, and they could trust in him. 
Chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 3, speaks about the hope that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, they waited for his son, or they wait for the son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Paul could write to the Thessalonians. And so they were trusting in the Lord Jesus. They were trusting in him, and they could be assured that they would not face the wrath of God. They could be assured that God would be righteous and God would be faithful. Uh, Romans chapter 8 you know, says who, um, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea rather that is risen again. And so Christ is risen. Uh, his people will not be condemned. Uh, God is faithful to his word. God is faithful uh, and is righteous and will not uh, judge twice. And so their endurance was evidence of God's righteousness that God would not judge Twice, But their endurance was also, secondly, uh, evidence of their true salvation. Evidence of their true salvation. Uh, and so um, we see here that, um, that they had endured this tribulation. And Paul, I think, wants to uh, encourage them. Uh, because uh, they were, even the fact that they were suffering this persecution and this tribulation... Um, for for being a Christian, uh, Paul wants I think to to encourage them because that is evidence that they are truly saved, and for us as well. You remember when the Lord Jesus in John chapter uh, fifteen says, "If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, uh, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you." And so we 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 learn from the words of the Lord Jesus Himself uh, that we are to be hated of the world and we are to expect opposition. And then if, in, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, maybe you might want to turn to me, I just want to read a, a few verses, three verses from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28. Uh, Paul here is speaking again of, of persecution and he is, he is um, calling the, the believers to, to strive together, uh, to, to strive together for the faith of the gospel, end of verse 27. And in verse 28, it says there, and in nothing, okay, so he's, he, he's saying, in nothing terrified by your adversaries. That is, that they wouldn't be terrified by their enemies who were persecuting them, which is to them uh, an evident token uh, of uh, their destruction, uh, but to you of salvation and that of God. Okay, and so they were facing persecution. Uh, but Paul doesn't want the, the Philippians to be terrified, to be overcome with it, because it is a token, it is an evidence of your salvation. It is an evidence of your salvation. So we see that suffering for Christ is proof of salvation. But then in verse 29 it says, For unto you it is given in the, uh, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his Sake. So now not just a proof of salvation, but we see that it is a gift to strengthen. I think I borrowed these little summary here. Um, it is not only a proof of salvation, but a gift to strengthen. You see, not only do we just endure suffering, and not only does suffering just happen to us, but in fact we see that it is a gift. It is granted to us. Uh, it is granted to us in order to strengthen us, in order to build us up in our faith. And so you'll remember in, in Romans uh, chapter 5 it says that you know, tribulation works uh, patience or endurance and endurance character and character hope. 
And so we are, as we face persecution, as we face tribulation in this world, we are built up. We, we, we develop endurance and we develop character and hope. And, and so Paul here is saying to the Philippians that it is given to you, is a gift. How often do we think of suffering as a gift, as something which God has granted us? Uh, to, to, uh, to, to build us up and to ground us and strengthen us in our faith. And so suffering is a proof of salvation, it is a gift to strengthen. But third and finally, it is also a fellowship to share. A fellowship to share because we see there in verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. You see, Paul is saying, you know, you are suffering for Christ. And he says, I'm suffering for Christ. And and there is a togetherness in it. And there is a unity in it. There's a fellowship to be had in suffering for the name of Christ. You know, when when, when believers, when churches come under the... the, the, Uh, persecution from from those outside uh, how often it it, it just draws uh, one another to you know to each other to strengthen the body and to to help them as they as they face the persecution they they look to those who they have what they have in common with and they they look to one another and they have uh, comfort and they are strengthened and they are um, able to endure uh, because of being together as a body and so Paul here is saying you know I am suffering you are suffering and there is a unity a fellowship to be had when we suffer for Christ it's something that each and every one of us to to a greater or lesser extent will experience and we thought there on Wednesday night about those who who suffered for Christ and and, and who those who you know who's um whose sons had been had been murdered had been killed uh, because they are Christians uh, and yet we we don't we, we we don't experience that here praise the lord but but we all suffer to some degree uh, the 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 um the persecution that it is for being a Christian and it should unite us it should unite us not only are we united together uh, uh, believer with believer but in Romans 8 it says there and if children then heirs heirs of God God join heirs with Christ if so be that you suffer with him that you may also be glorified together and so I think that there is saying about how we are um, suffering from Christ and we have a unity with Christ he suffered and we suffer for him and we have this unity you know sometimes I think we need to I need to correct my uh, thinking about when we suffer when we face persecution you know uh, I, I heard this example and, and I think it is very helpful uh, of the prosperity gospel and, and you know you might be thinking well well good I don't mind the prosperity gospel we mentioned. It doesn't affect me. I don't believe any of that. I, I wouldn't believe that. You know, that kind of the, the wealth and health and happiness gospel. And maybe that's how you think. But so often the seeds of these things can creep into our minds. And, you know, when it comes to suffering, uh, rather than taking the, the view here that we have in Philippians of recognizing that, that persecution or tribulation is, is granted and is a gift from God that we might be strengthened, we, we might say to ourselves you know why is this happening and uh, is God really good and surely God shouldn't let this happen to me and and these things creep into our minds and we have to guard against them because the suffering for Christ is something which is given to us and it's something which is to be expected it is to be expected 
And so these believers here in, 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 in Thess- uh, Thessalonica, they were suffering for Christ. And they, it should be expected, but they were suffering and they were being allowed to suffer. And, and I think maybe we just need to remind ourselves, remind ourselves what God's word says about suffering. That when we do suffer, we are ready to do it uh, in a right frame of mind that we might uh, keep our minds in line with Scripture, And so the suffering there is a proof of salvation, a gift to strengthen, and a fellowship to share. Now thirdly, um, in this verse, I just want to uh, say, fourthly, no thirdly, um, I want to say uh, that the salvation uh, that, that they had, we, we are reminded by a phrase here that it is, a, it is based on grace and not uh, by faith. It says there, Paul writes, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And just as we go on, we want to remind ourselves as we think about this word counted, uh, being reckoned, something being imputed to us, we, we are reminded that is uh, that the, the salvation which we have is based on grace and not on works. We remember how this, uh, is, uh, this is spoken of in, in Romans chapter 4. Uh, and there uh, we, we, we are reminded that he that believes on him uh, that just uh, sorry it says there, but to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So, when we think about this phrase, we are reminded how this is a, a, a salvation based on grace and not on works, and and that is important to remember as we think about the difference between the the believer and what the believer experiences, and what we'll see in these verses, the unbeliever experiences. And it is important, I think, to remind ourselves constantly uh, that, that we, uh, of, the, of the gospel message that we have been saved by, by grace, by grace. And so this is a salvation based on faith in our Lord uh, Jesus Christ uh, through grace. And so there is this reward, okay? The reward is that they might be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And so the, 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 the believers here... Uh, they are enduring, uh, but but Paul wants to remind them uh, that that this there is a future ahead. Uh, there is a hope that we all have in our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And we thought about that future, uh, that hope, the reward that we will have this morning. And so we have reward. Secondly, I want to think about the recompense. Verse six. This is a, the second uh, maybe comfort for the believer. It says here, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And and, and so, you know, sometimes we might um, think, as things happen to us, as we see, you know, the ungodly getting ahead in the world, and uh, we see things maybe just falling into place uh, for some of our friends and uh, for those we know, and we just would really struggle uh, with the thought of you know people being able to just live their life how they want and they seem to just enjoy it and get away with everything and yet here we are we're trying to live for God and and, and maybe we're being persecuted and, and maybe there are those who would uh, you know persecute, persecute us in, in different ways um, uh, 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 for being a Christian uh, and we wonder you know is there ever going to be any justice is there any, ever going to be any justice? And so Paul says, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them which trouble you. There is a, 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 a punishment 
There is a judgment coming for those who persecute us. And um, and Paul here is encouraging the believers to take comfort from that. To take comfort that justice will prevail. You know, we all want to see justice. Uh, and we can take comfort that justice will prevail. Turn with me please to Sam. And I want to just read a Sam, Sam 13. Sam of David. And in, it, in this... Uh, David here, he is maybe having some of these thoughts uh, that the the, the believers in uh, Thessalonica were having and maybe some of these thoughts uh, that we sometimes have. And in Psalm 13 it says there to the chief musician, a psalm of David. And David uh, writes here, How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy says, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, David, he questioned, how long? How long? How long will, will these, uh, you know, David's enemies, you know, have it uh, over him? You know, maybe this was written when King Saul had it out for David and David was in hiding. Maybe it was written when his, his own son, um, Absalom, you know, um, rebelled against David and David went into, had to flee. And we don't know when it was written, but we know David's life was, was full of sorrow in parts. And, uh, and he questioned, he wondered how long, how long, we, we sometimes can think like that. And I think that's okay to think like that. But you look and see what David said. David said, but I have trusted, verse 5, in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. And so, like David, uh, we should trust in the Lord when we are wondering uh, when there are those who persecute us when we are facing tribulation and we wonder if anything is if, if things are really fair uh, we can trust in God we can trust in God because he is faithful we can trust in him because he will um, uh, exact uh, vengeance and and um, and uh, punishment uh, and just justice for those who persecute us you know we do not have a God who is uninterested in us remember how when uh, Saul was there on that road to uh, Damascus uh, there the Lord would say uh, that voice said to him Saul Saul why persecutest thou me why do you persecute me Uh, and the Lord Jesus uh, not only uh, knew about the persecution of Saul on his people uh, but he, he, he thinks of it in the way that he says, Why do you persecute me? The Lord Jesus could say. Uh, and and it should be a comfort. And it can be a comfort if we allow it. To remember that we have a God who cares. We have a God who knows. And we have a God who feels the persecution uh, that we face. That we face for him. Uh, and so he knows what we go through. And, you know, sometimes we think, you know, is God really in control? And we might question why things can be allowed to happen. 
But we should take comfort that God is in control, that he knows and that he cares for us. So there is reward, there is recompense. And then in verse 7, we see that there is rest. There is rest. And, and this rest is, is, um, is something which the believers uh, are able to look forward to. Um, it says, to those who are troubled, to those who face tribulations, uh, there is rest given to us. There is rest given to us. Uh, and so there is a future rest that can be enjoyed. And there is a future rest that will be enjoyed uh, by every believer. You know, an end to life struggles. An end to persecution. An end to uh, the plague of sin. Uh, when we will be with the Lord. And we will be uh, enjoying that rest. Now it's not that that rest only happens when the Lord is revealed. That The verse when we first read it might, might read like that. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed. But uh, I, I don't think we, we, we really think that uh, as we think about the, the logic of that. We know that believers who, 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 um, who, who die and who go to, to be with the Lord. Uh, we take great comfort uh, that, they are, uh, that they, have, they, they are in a place of rest. That they are in a place without pain and suffering. And it will be the same with those who are taken up uh, at the rapture uh, when they are with the Lord. Uh, it will be a, immediately a time of rest. And on the flip side, we think of those who are outside of Christ, uh, who die and who, who, um, who go to hell. And we think of how they face punishment straight away. Uh, and so whilst these things it says here when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed we understand that it can't be that the rest that, that those who have died are just still waiting for the rest that they are waiting to rest we can't think of uh, and, and so likewise those at the rapture uh, uh, you know don't have to wait to experience the rest but what we see here I think is that when it speaks about this rest when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed I think not only is the Lord Jesus revealed but the rest and the um, enjoyment of that is then seen by all and so he comes with his saints and it is going to be clear and it is going to be seen and enjoyed that his people are resting in him just as when the Lord Jesus comes, uh, there will be, he will come with judgment and that will be revealed. That will be revealed. And so uh, there is a time of rest. There is a time of rest for all believers when they go to be with the Lord. But at this moment, when the Lord Jesus comes to the earth, it will be seen. And there will be a, 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 a manifestation of that rest. Uh, it will be revealed uh, and, and it will be clear for all to see. And I think the idea is that this rest is in contrast with the unbeliever. Uh, the contrast here is of the believer who experiences rest and the unbeliever who experiences judgment. And so we, we're reminded here uh, that our rest is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have our rest to look forward to. And when days seem like they, uh, we just want them to, to finish and we, we struggle to go on. Um, we have a rest to look forward to. And uh, that old hymn uh, is right when it says, My rest is in heaven. One of the verses says, Let's trial and danger my progress oppose. They only make heaven more sweet as the close. Come joy or come sorrow, whatever may befall, a home with my God 
will make up for it all. With Christ in my heart and his word in my hand, I travel in haste through an enemy's land. The road may be rough, but it cannot be long. So I journey on singing the conqueror's song. So we have a rest to look forward to. You know, I think maybe uh, believers in a previous generation would have longed for this rest maybe a little bit more uh, than I did. And uh, maybe uh, you can say that as well. You know, I think <clears throat> as we think of the, 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 the nature of our lives, how comfortable they are in, 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 in the broad sense, uh, we think of, of what we enjoy, uh, peace, and, uh, and we think of what a previous generation had to endure. Uh, we think of disease, uh, we think of war. Uh, really, when we look in hindsight, we think of coronavirus and we think of all that that entailed uh, compared to some of the previous diseases, uh, what previous generations had to endure. I think we will say uh, that it doesn't quite stack up because of the, 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 the grace, uh, the, the, ble- the, the blessings that God has given us in, in medicine and such like and, and the knowledge and understanding of these things. But when we think of disease and we think of wars that... that that, that folks of a previ- previous generation who uh, had to endure, when we think of how death was such a thing that it was much more uh, known and experienced, we think of the extended um, uh, uh, life expectancy these days, we think of the reduced number of uh, you know, child uh, deaths as well, and we, I think what we see is that our lives are more comfortable and we are less, ex- uh, you know, have less experience with death uh, and therefore we maybe long less for this rest. And I think when we look back at the, the, the hymn writing of, of, of believers on a bygone day and how often they would have written about a rest and written about a hope that we have and I think we need to uh, make sure, I need to make sure uh, that I am not satisfied with this world, with the things that this world has for me, uh, but I long for something that is far greater, and so it is a challenge to me and maybe to you. And so we have the rest for the saint, but then we move on in verses 8 and 9, and we see that there is a judgment for the sinner. Judgment for the sinner. See, there is a great hope for the believer, and yet it stands in great contrast with the judgment that is going to come on an unbelieving world. Verse 8, that the Lord Jesus will come uh, and he will be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a group of people here, maybe two, uh, who know not God and who do not obey the gospel and they are going to face punishment they are going to face eternal destruction and they are going to be taken from the presence of the lord how do how is it that we that, you know we do not obey the you know these people that do not obey the gospel of our lord jesus christ i think it is simply this uh, acts 16:31 we maybe know this verse very well believe in the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved and I think in, in, in disobeying the gospel is not to do that. And I think it's as simple as that. The, the, there are those, uh, there, there are the people of this world on that day will be divided in two, as we thought about this morning. 
And there are those who are believers. And there are those who have rejected Christ. And to them uh, there is a judgment. Verse, verse 9 says three things there. That they will be punished. Uh, there is punishment. Uh, there, is, there is destruction. And there is banishment. Punishment. Uh, that, that they will be punished. They will be. Um, they will be given what is rightfully due to them for for the wrong that they have committed. There is destruction. Uh, the word speaks of loss. Speaks of ruin. It does not speak of kind of annihilation, but but everlasting destruction. It is something that is going to go on and on and has no ending. Uh, and there is. Uh, they are going to be removed. From the presence of the Lord. And so there is banishment. And John MacArthur says on this. He says from the blessing. For the blessings of the kingdom of God. Uh, sorry that they are banished from the blessings of the kingdom of God. And denied access to the glories of the new earth. God as king has removed them. With no hope of entering his presence. And so these who are found outside of Christ. Uh, they are to face a great punishment. They are to face destruction, and they are to face banishment. You know, and as I as we consider these verses, and as I've read these verses uh, in in preparing for this evening, I was just challenged in my own heart um, of the need uh, to share the gospel uh, with uh, loved ones, uh, with those who uh, we know, uh, those who we come into contact with. Uh, to 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 share the gospel, uh, the great hope uh, that we have uh, to a generation and to a people, to a person uh, who uh, is going to face uh, a great punishment from God uh, because they are in their sin. You know, and I wonder if we were to look uh, as we think of this, you know, this doctrine of. Um, of, of, of hell and of uh, everlasting destruction you know I wonder if we were to look if someone uh, was to look at our own life you know Tom raised that question this morning didn't he of, of someone was to look at us would they, would they ask us of the, the hope that is within us you know if we if someone was to look at our life and they would see the, the, the gospel activity that we were involved in you know, would they think that we really believe this? Would they think that uh, I really believe in everlasting destruction to those who I love, who are outside of Christ? And so it was a challenge to me uh, in uh, in those verses there, and it's a challenge to the unbeliever as well. You know, there's a great contrast, as I've said. Between the rest that is enjoyed at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to those who will enjoy rest and who will admire him at his coming. And to those who do not obey and are punished. And you know, I don't know uh, your heart. And I just put it out there this evening. Uh, to challenge you to make sure uh, that you are uh, in the right group. In the group of these people who are uh, looking forward to rest, uh, to looking forward to to a reward, um, and and I challenge your heart 
to make sure that you are right with God and uh, you would not face the destruction uh, that is spoken of. But finally, and maybe I should have left far more time to this, is the glorification of of the Saviour. It says uh, in verse... um, uh, in verse eleven, uh, sorry, in verse twelve, that the name of the uh, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, uh, and and we see there in verse ten when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and on that day uh, the Savior is going to be glorified. Uh, He is going to receive honour and praise. You see there in verse 10 that the saints uh, are to admire him. Now all those who believe on him are going to admire him on that day. And he is going to come and he is going to be glorified in his uh, his saints. And the Amplified Version uh, translates this. Glorified through the changed lives of those who have accepted him as saviour. And have been set apart for his purpose. You know there's going to be a, 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 as, as, as Christ is revealed. As we come with Christ. Uh, there is going to be a revelation of all that he has achieved through the cross. There is going to be uh, those who look on him. And they will marvel at what he has managed to uh, accomplish. With uh, those who are so unworthy like ourselves. And all that he has done in saving us uh, and rescuing us. Uh, and there is going to be glorification. There is going to be glory and honour given to him uh, on that day. But it doesn't just stop on that day. Because Paul prays in verses 11 and 12. He prays for the saints that they might glorify the Lord uh, today. Uh, and that what we, uh, what Paul has con- um, has written here, as what we have considered this evening, uh, we are reminded often, uh, but rightly, that the doctrine does not stand alone, but it must have an impact on our lives, and it must uh, change the way we live and change the way we think. And and so, as we think about the future, as we think about what is in store for us, as we think about what is in store for uh, for for those who have been saved by His grace. Uh, Paul wants to say, Paul wants to uh, praise for these believers that they might live in the goodness of that and, and that they might live accordingly. He says uh, that they would, he would pray for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Paul prayed uh, that they might be enabled to serve God, to serve God in faith through his power and 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 that is the um, that is the prayer of Paul and then in verse 12 we see to what end why what is the purpose of this what is the purpose of of living a life pleasing God through his uh, in faith through his power that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in him According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That he might be glorified. That he might be glorified. That Christ 
might be glorified. As, as, as we uh, you know, serve and represent him uh, as we ought to, uh, Christ is glorified. His name is honoured and he is glorified. And then that we would be glorified in him. That as, the honor, as we honour the Lord, uh, we receive glory. That we, are, that we uh, in him, that we are glorified in him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let this not stop by, uh, uh, let this, the, you know, so often we speak, especially in our circles of future times, and we enjoy that, and I think Christians in general like to think about these things, they are interesting uh, but let us not stop at that, that it's just a discussion for around the coffee table. But let it impact our lives, that we might today, that we might this week, live in a way that is pleasing to God. Uh, live in a way, live in a, a life by faith, uh, a life of faith, uh, that we might give God the glory, give Christ the glory in our lives. Now as we face tribulation... And, and maybe um, there are people here uh, who have faced much more tri- tribulations than, than I have. Uh, but we have a great comfort uh, because we know God is righteous and God is just. And we know that there is a reward for us and there is a future for us. And there is rest for us. And what a day that will be when we are free from all that um, entangles us and all that weighs us down. Uh, when we are with our Lord. Let us live in light of this. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we give you thanks for these great truths. Uh, Great truths of a future for us, uh, when we will be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we give you our thanks for all that you have have blessed us with through him. Uh, We have been saved, uh, that we we have received uh, the wonderful gospel. And uh, Father, we pray that we might uh, live in light uh, of uh, the future that we have, uh, that we might uh, wish to, to honour you and to glorify you in all that we do. Uh, Father, we pray for the lost. And we pray for those we know, uh, those we will speak to this week. Uh, we pray that we might have opportunity, uh, that we might have a boldness uh, to speak something Uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Uh, Father, pray that you would give us a burden, a desire, a real love uh, for those who are lost. Father, we give you thanks as we think about these things, that you are a righteous God. Help us to understand them. Help us to accept. Help us to realize and to consider sin uh, for how you see it. Uh, But Father, we just pray that we might be encouraged by these things. We remember those in our assembly who are facing uh, great tribulations. And we think of uh, those who, through ill health and who, through old age, Father, uh, are not able to be be here to enjoy uh, the message of your word. And Father, we just would pray for them, lift them up, uh, that they might be strengthened, and that they might be... And encouraged. And so, Father, we give you thanks for this time this evening, and we do pray uh, that this might be done, have been done and said uh, for your glory, Father. We give you thanks in your Son's precious name. Amen.